It's time for another Tucson Means Business, where you get to meet the best Tucson entrepreneurs and those leaders in the community with a story to tell. Tucson Means Business. And now your host, Mark Bishop. Welcome to another Tucson Means Business with your host, Mark Bishop. Interesting today, I've got three very talented guests. First of all is David uh, Terrell. David is the chairman of SCORE here in Southern Arizona. We're going to be talking about what SCORE does, its value to the community, and where it's heading today in today's society. There's a lot of different changes out there. Chuck Zelfel, well, he's uh, the district uh, director for Junior Achievement of Arizona's Southern District, and he serves thousands of Tucson's young students. And then we've got Ron Bush, and Ron is a highly experienced cybersecurity genius, if you like. And what's going on today? Well, it's pretty scary. We're going to find out from Ron where business is going, what they're not doing, and what they need to be doing in the world of cybersecurity. So welcome, gentlemen. Nice to have you. Hello. Thank you. Um, let's start, uh, let's go from left to right. Chuck, how you doing? I'm doing great today. That's way. Now, you've been married since 1989. Yes. To Patty. Yes. Uh, T-U-S-D school teacher, correct? For 26 years, that, and six in another district here in Tucson. I married up, I married a teacher. <laughs> <laughs> you've got three adult children, a daughter. Yes. And two sons. Um, you were an Eagle Scout. Correct. All right. That's, they were good years. I was an Eagle too. They were fun. They, they very well are. You've been a Tucson native, but you did spend seven years, including high school, in Southern California. Correct. Not too far from the beach. It's kind of rough for a high schooler to live near the beach. I would say so, yeah. <laughs> did you surf as a matter of interest? or? Um, I can body surf, but I can't board surf, uh, okay. so hang 10 is not my thing. <laughs> we're going to talk about um, the district today, what you do for junior achievement, and uh, Arizona's Southern District, where you serve young students. Uh, as a native Tucson and yourself, Chuck has worked with many local impact organizations over the years. So we're looking to volunteer, we're looking to donor, a board member and a fundraising consultant and a very, very busy life. Now, David, David Terrell, how you doing, David? I'm great. How are you doing today, Mark? I'm good, thank you. He is chairman of SCORE, Southern Arizona. He volunteers his time to provide mentoring assistance to individuals who want to start or grow or need help with the ongoing challenges they face in their business. So your background is diverse and busy, a very diverse background. Uh, you're the owner of uh, two 30-plus-year-old um, automotive consulting businesses. That's correct. Um, you were directing project teams for 15 automotive manufacturers. Yes. How did you find that industry? Oh, I find it to be a very interesting industry. In, in many ways, they, they lead a lot of the changes that go on in business in this country, and uh, certainly they're a huge part of the employment in this country. Mm-hmm. And uh, your projects included uh, a process analysis and mapping mm -hmm. activities, uh, targeted strategic planning initiatives, mm -hmm. uh, process, productivity, profitability, and performance. And when it comes to improvement, sales, marketing, distribution, product launches, customer satisfaction, and retention. And a nine-year development of a nationwide dealership certification program. That's correct. Yes, that was with Subaru. When you look back at those years, uh, would you like to be back there? Uh, it was an, always an enjoyable thing. You know, the old saying is, uh, if, if you enjoy it, it's not work. I truly did enjoy it, but uh, I also flew about 185 to 200 flights a year. So uh -huh. that 
kept me. Uh, you must be sick of airports. Up in the air, way too much. Uh, away from your family. <laughs> oh yeah, indeed. Yeah. And director of technical staff to Information Industries, you directed multiple consultants yes. working on projects including information technology, software, and network design development, right. and process control engineering for Fortune 100 companies. Yes. Boy, you were indeed up there living the high life, as they say. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> all right. And now, of course, uh, all that experience goes towards score. Right. Are you, are you pulling on a lot of it, do you find, or have you had to learn a lot of new stuff? You know, I think it's interesting because uh, in dealing with many of the challenges that I faced over not only when I was working for a corporate environment, but also when I began to uh, create my own company and, and, and see that company grow and develop, it, it was there's always challenges whether you're starting a, a one-person business or whether you're out there as the head of a big corporation. And uh, the challenges are just different. The one thing that I found that was different here is that the people and the clients that we face and work with on a daily basis are often people that don't have the resources that many of those big organizations do. Right. So they have to wear a lot of hats. We have to help them understand what the uh, best way to wear that hat is. And uh, certainly that's, uh, that's been a very uh, interesting uh, transition. Okay. Ron. Yes. Very quiet over there. <laughs> Ron Bush. No relation, right? No. You get that all the time, don't you? Ron is um, CEO and COO and chief cook and bottle washer for Ron Bush Consulting. Yeah. And, uh, well, that's what it's called. I mean, you're the president, aren't you? I figured I'd name it after me. There wouldn't be any, any question or, or confusion <laughs> at that point. So. If I was to ask you, you explain what your business is because it's very in-depth yeah. and it does two major areas with businesses, corporations, right? Would you like to explain that? I appreciate that. In, on the one hand, I go into businesses. I do risk assessments, uh, write policies and procedures, train employees, on how to keep the company safe, how to protect their employees, how to protect their customers, uh, how to protect their business reputation. On the other hand, uh, it's a managed service provider type thing. M many of the, uh, of the IT departments and many uh, uh, IT consultants just aren't into security. They just don't understand security that well. And so I wind up uh, managing services for that in large uh, or medium-sized companies, small to mid-sized businesses. Uh, I have some nonprofits, a lot of healthcare. Right. Uh, those kind of industries, uh, many of them have compliance issues, and I help them with those. You, um, you're very concerned where the country's at today. I am. Uh, in reference to cybersecurity. I couldn't be more concerned. And you're going to share some uh, parts with us that I don't think I'd ever hear in my lifetime, but, but that'll come. You monitor networks as part of what you do as well, right? I do. Okay. Uh, you weren't in the military. No. So you didn't, it wasn't so much that you got your training there. No. Um, but by gee, you know your business. Um, intrusion detection, uh, prevention products and methods out there today, uh, behavioral modification, uh, complex applications, algorithms uh, that determine stable network behavior and activity. So you go into companies and you talk double dutch to them, right? Think of it this way. We, have, we live in a time where we have more processing power on our smartphones um, than the first nuclear devices had. Think of it. Everyone on the planet basically has on either their laptop or their phone or some device in their house the ability to 
almost blow up the world. I mean, think of it. We don't have things with computers now. We have computers that function as things. Cars are computers that function as cars. Smart refrigerators are computers that function as, as refrigerators. Everything is computerized. Everything is available on the net. So if you wanted to take your phone and, uh, and collect, uh, it's called uh, 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 a collection of smart devices, uh, IOTs is a, is a buzz phrase for it. If you wanted to take those and do uh, distributed denial of service attacks or use it to break into people, governments, Pentagon, those kind of things, uh, you've got the processing power to do it. Just you on your little smartphone. Most people have no idea that they have that kind of power. And so they get infected on their computer. Uh, they let their phones and, and what have you get infected. And what a smart hacker does is he takes that, it's called a zombie bot, and combines it into a collection called a botnet. And he uses that botnet as a weapon now to take down, uh, he can take down uh, IP addresses, he can take down websites, he can take down businesses. He can use that as a cover to come in the back door and steal information, or he can use it to destroy Organizations, what types of industries uh, other than, well, we've heard of um, some big, uh, big, uh, um, you know, break ins to healthcare, mm -hmm. um, legal and financial services, mm -hmm. I guess manufacturing, retail, I guess government. Yes. I mean, really, when you think about it, it's everybody. It, I don't care if you own a shoe repair shop on the corner, you've got a computer or you connect to the internet somehow. And if you're retired, you've got smart televisions that listen to you and connect to the Internet. Uh, everybody is connected now, at least in America. And we're, for the most part, the biggest target on the planet. So education is key. To have all that power and not realize it means you often just give it up to someone who does realize what to do with it. When it comes to score, David, um, surely you don't go this deep. Well, actually, we have had clients before that have had uh, cybersecurity businesses. Uh, we had a, a group of uh, gentlemen who were uh, ex-military, and they were working on projects in Iraq and uh, Kuwait and Afghanistan, uh, and also in uh, uh, Taiwan, where they had the big earthquake, because they were supposed to be there right after they had the earthquake. And uh, so, yeah, we run into those kinds of things as well. We have some pretty interesting types of businesses that we work with across the whole spectrum. Hmm. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and what prompted you to be a school volunteer? Well, you know, I, as I mentioned before, uh, working with the automotive industry, uh, we worked on a lot of different kinds of projects. And uh, we had the opportunity to be able to uh, learn a lot of different things. And that's one of the reasons that I like SCORE so much. It gives me an opportunity to continually educate myself, to ever say and believe that I would know everything that every one of our clients ever needs. That's impossible these days. Uh, to say that the way I started a company 30-plus years ago and the way that it starts, the way people start companies today is the same, there's so many changes and so many different things that people have to be aware of and need to be able to know about before. The other thing for me, I think it was personal. I think it was an opportunity to make a, a pretty easy transition from being on an airplane all the time uh, and working with corporate clients to being in an office 
uh, more frequently. And we are all volunteers. We volunteer our time and give it back uh, to be able to provide these kind of resources to our clients. But uh, it was it was an easy transition to uh, not just stop and sit in a chair all day and look at the TV or play golf. Or not to say I don't enjoy playing golf. Of fact, <laughs> I'll be playing after we get out of here. Well, that makes two of us. <laughs> so, but uh, it's it's one of those kinds of things where um, it, it made the transition a little simpler. That's good. And for Chuck, I mean, uh, you're a native Tucson. Uh, but you're an entrepreneur. You built and ran uh, companies for over 25 years. In fact, it was a huge marketing business that sent over 100 million pieces of mail uh, through the U.S. Post Office. Yeah, it's quite a bit of mail going back and forth, one letter at a time. One letter at a time. Um, do we say way back then? Way back then. Well, it was over a 20-year career doing that, whether it was postcards or letters, whatever it was. It was something interesting in your mailbox. There's a good chance in Tucson I mailed it to you. So a strong belief in education. Absolutely. Because you, you needed this to be able to even do what you're doing, right? Right. Um, the role it plays in career success, I mean, you're very fortunate. Your wife, Patty, uh, behind you 110%. Correct. Which is a big thing. Uh, recently retired from special education uh, as a teacher at TUSD and shares your strong commitment to the youth of today, right? That's yes, an, he does. That's a very important thing in our community. To lead an organization like Junior Achievement, um, for you as a native Tucsonan, it'd be like a dream come true. It absolutely is a dream come true. Uh, financial literacy and entrepreneurship were essential to uh, my life growing up and to how we raised our kids. In fact, I learned to walk in my parents' hobby shop down at 22nd uh, near Alvernon. Uh, and they had that at the days. And then I own my own business, as you said earlier. And to be able to help inspire youth to have some understanding of how money works, how to become money smart, and then, you know, get a job or actually a career that uh, is something that they uh, never even dreamed they could have in that area. And then inspiring future business owners and entrepreneurs. And I love having uh, Ron and David here. Uh, we're going into high school classrooms and we're helping inspire these young people through a couple of our programs to become business owners that that's what they think is in the future and mm -hmm. to lay some groundwork for them. We're certainly not giving them an MBA in running a business, but we're getting them started that they can and do that. And SCORE is somebody that I took advantage of when I owned my business and the tremendous resources there. Right. And uh, with Ron, with your cybersecurity, getting in deep to that, one of our programs, and we have a big competition coming up for a number of our, about a couple hundred of our high school students um, coming up in a few weeks. One of the competitions is called Catch a Cyber Criminal, mm -hmm. where the young people are getting introduction, realizing how easy it is for them to have identity their identity stolen, and they're supposed to go through a path and try to figure out how theirs was stolen, different things. They found a flash drive on the ground that they try to return it to somebody, so plug it into their laptop, or they you know misplaced their wallet even just for half an hour at the Circle K, whatever the things were. Mm -hmm. So we're giving the introduction to how easy and obvious it is to happen, and this is integral to our life. And entrepreneurship isn't just starting a business, it's entrepreneurial thinking. So we're creating this, this group of young people to become smarter and wiser, how to succeed in a world that doesn't exist yet. I love that. The, uh, it's estimated that next year, 2020, there will be 2 million, million positions in cybersecurity that are going wanting because there's no people not enough people qualified to fill them. 
I've got a master's in education, so we should talk. We should, I would I love, love to do that. Good. Love to do that. Well, there you go. Here's the beauty of people mixing, isn't it? <laughs> it is. Uh, junior Achievement. It's a 60-year-old not-for-profit right here in Arizona. Um, what's the impact, do you believe, that something like a Junior Achievement you know, brings to the children of Southern Arizona? The what What we bring to the students is – almost immeasurable, but it is measurable. We go into the classrooms and we'll teach them some of the basics about financial literacy and how to make their own choices about their life. Uh, just in Tucson alone, last year, we're in front of 7,800 students with a massive staff of three. That's because it's our volunteers that go into the classroom and they share their life and they do that. We know from our studies that our young people graduate through our programs um, at the 92% clip rate. They graduate high school. You know what Arizona's high school rate is. I don't need to repeat that. It's pretty high, isn't it? Uh, yeah, 92% is above the national average right. without junior achievement. We know that our graduates, when they get to the graduate level, are 67% more likely to get that graduate degree. They're 34% better at critical thinking, skills that are essential to survive in our world mm -hmm. coming up and the different things going on. Mm -hmm. Those things are measurable. Sometimes the impact is immediate on a family. Sometimes we think we're teaching kids things that takes years and years for it to bear fruit. Um, I read a letter recently from a parent whose child went through one of our personal finance programs. He was in seventh grade. He was an only child of a single mom. And he came home so excited to tell mom about his day. And he got home and their mom was sitting at the kitchen table with all the bills laid out in front of them. And some of them were pink. And we know what that means. And she let her son know they might be evicted soon. And yeah. so- yeah. That's pretty sad. Yeah. But we changed their course of their lives. They weren't evicted. They're paying their bills. He actually now has $10 a month or so just by fixing their budgeting. Out of all of the charitable organizations that you've been involved with personally in yes. your lifetime, why are you so passionate about junior achievement? A lot of the organizations I've been in are involved with are more rescue. There's more somebody's hungry today. Somebody's homeless today. Somebody has lost today. Junior Achievement lays a foundation that if I can help shorten the lines at the food bank, if I can help demolish unemployment and underemployment, if I can help dramatically reduce the rate of bankruptcy, so many other ills are cured by that just by having an adult population that understands how to live financially stable and critically successful lives, that we're just preventing all kinds of things. You're preparing them for... Uh... Score just about, aren't you? We just about are. Right. Just about are. <laughs> to get about, well, let me ask you that, um, David. Mm -hmm. Score provides free mentoring, Ryan. Right. Now, let's say that someone wants to start a business. I mean, what, what age group mainly come into school? Well, you know, it's interesting because uh, as many things change, uh, that's changing as well. Uh, we're seeing a, a large percentage of younger people that are coming in uh, that are interested in starting a business. And of course, we, d we see all different levels of that. We see people that might just have a great idea and they want to see whether that idea is feasible or not. We see people that come in and they've started working on their idea and they've started maybe putting together a, an awareness of their business model or a business plan in some respects. So uh, we also have people that come in that are in business. They've been in business for some time, maybe, and uh, 
they want to grow their business. They're ready to start scaling their product line or they're ready to add another uh, truck, uh, another crew. Uh, so we see that kind of growth as well. And in addition to that, we also see people that have been in business for 40 years or more, names that are very familiar here in the city who uh, might have run into a challenge of some kind and they need some assistance in identifying how to get around that obstacle. What an opposite um, end of the scale. I mean, a beginner and a 40-year-old Absolutely. in business. But that's great that you do that. Um, so the free mentoring is there for them as well. Mm -hmm. But let's say someone who wants to start a business, mm -hmm. what are some of the important things for them that you teach to keep in mind? Well, I think that uh, one of the key things to think about is what's the passion behind their desire to want to start the business? You know, because... When you start a business, a lot of people think, oh, it's going to be just a nice general gradual trend upward and I'm going to see growth and I'm going to see success. Well, those of us that have been in that boat know that that's not the case. There's lots of ups and downs and uh, <laughs> lots of times where you kind of got to stop and think about where you're going next. And uh, so I think part of that is taking that passion and then beginning to see are they prepared to make the actions that are going to be required because quite honestly owning a business is not for everybody and that's why there's a huge percentage of people that start businesses that are never successful because they may be very passionate about something but they don't either don't know or don't choose to take the actions necessary to make it successful so that's the first step i think the other key thing is it's all about solutions to problems uh, as a matter of fact, uh, uh, a lot of people think, well, you know, if I build it, they will come because I'll be so much in demand and everything else. And again, it's not the field of dreams type of approach out there that we see. Uh, people buy your product or service, not just because they like you, more because of the fact that it helps them solve a problem. Mm. It's causing them some kind of pain in their life. Or it gives them the opportunity to realize a creative gain in something that they don't feel like that they've been able to accomplish as effectively. Uh, you're doing it better than a competitor. There might already be an existing alternative that they're going to. Right. So you have to be able to show that you're creating as much, if not more, value than that competitor in order to be able to create the desire of that person to reach in their pocket and pull out money and give it to you. You also provide a variety of workshops, mm -hmm. specialized events. Yes. Um, at SCORE, what, what would go on at a workshop as an example? Well, for example, we work with the uh, Pima County Library in the downtown Joe Valdez uh, Library location as well as the uh, Oro Valley location to provide some workshops, uh, one of which is the simple steps to start your business. It's a series of different workshops. Uh, the first one is, okay, you've got a great idea. What do you do with it? How do you begin to flesh it out? How do you begin to build it into a business model? Secondly, now, how do I begin to communicate what I've got out there to my target audience, to my target customer group that I'm dealing with? So what kind of marketing strategies do I have? So we have a workshop that deals with marketing strategies. And one of the areas where many people are tripped up is financials. Um, a lot of times people don't understand why the financials are so important. If I got money in the bank, I'm making money. 
Well, that's not always the case. It mm. just depends on a lot of other things. And certainly understanding what your financial documents are and why they're important is another key part of that particular workshop. We also do workshops on growing your business, dealing with human resources. Okay, I'm ready to add some people. What do I need to do? How do I do it? How do I hire people? How do I begin to understand uh, my sales uh organization? How do I begin to know who do I need to reach out to in terms of sales? Who do I, how do I do that? A lot of people are very uh, limited in their understanding and knowledge about that particular aspect of their business. And it's a very important one because that's what makes or breaks a business typically is customers, people reaching in their pocket and pulling out money. And then operations, um, you know, that's near and dear to my heart because uh, I would help uh, with, with our business. We helped uh, people in many different areas and many different types of operational areas to understand where they were, what they could do in terms of where they need to be or where they want to be and uh, help them in that respect as well. Begin to start analyzing their processes. Mm -hmm. It's amazing sometimes how people put processes together that they think are doing great when in reality they're running customers away. Have you found that, Ron, in your business over the years? I have indeed, and I've done several workshops for SCORE over the years. Um, one of the things that, that I was just thinking as you were talking that no business or most businesses don't realize is how important it is. If you're a, if you're a retail establishment or a restaurant, uh, it's it's extremely important that you guard all that information. You're in a restaurant. Um, now we've got these little uh, things that set out on the table, and people do take care of things there. But in the old days, all you had to do was go back in the back as a waiter or waitress, take a picture. Yeah. Don't need to write it down. Take a picture of the card. Uh, and now you got it. Um, I had uh, I travel quite a bit. And, uh, and I had uh, someone do that to me in Chicago. Fortunately, they bought a pair of shoes from Tom's, so, so at least somebody got donated a pair of shoes. But, uh, yeah, people, people don't realize how important it is. Retail, uh, a doctor's office. Uh, how, many, how many doctor's offices have you walked into? And the, um, the receptionist has a, a place right in the front. She's got a computer there, and she, she's the only one there. She's all by herself. Well, if I'm a hacker and I walk in and I've got a, a thumb drive or a flash drive and a keylogger program on that, I need 15 to 20 seconds to stick that in a USB port, download that software, and now I own it. I own that business. I own every piece of information wow. on it. So there's People a, should be trained this. Exactly. Right from the get-go, you know. Exactly. Um, there you go. I mean... It probably hasn't been on your agenda at score. I mean, part of it would be David, wouldn't it? But but now, you'd be bringing in people who are more experienced in that world. Oh, absolutely. To be able to to do that. Absolutely. And uh, now you're a nationwide company, Ron, headquartered yes. in Indiana. Yes, sir. But you have an office here in Tucson. Exactly. Well, what makes you unique? Do you think? I think that that what sets me apart. First off, I've got a, a uh, an altruistic background. I've been on several boards. I've uh, I belonged to many organizations. Score one of them. I love giving back to the community, and I believe wholeheartedly in that. But the other thing is, I'm at that point in life where I'm not trying to grow the business. I don't want to be the next semantic. I want to take care of the people I have, and I want to educate. Education is extremely important to me, and it's the one thing that will turn things around for us as a country. Uh, for us as a planet, because honestly, uh, the criminal organizations that are all across the planet are 
are very effective in what they do, and most of us have no idea, mm. no clue about it. Well, one of the things that uh, he did do right, Bob Mueller, when he was director of the FBI, yes. uh, he said there's only two types of businesses in America, yes. those that uh, had been hacked and those that will be. He, no truer words were ever spoken. Pretty scary, mate. Yes, sir. So, um, but you can follow best practices and minimize the odds of being a victim, is this right? Yes, you can. Yes, so, so what's the biggest thing? You go into corporations. I mean, these these are serious guys. They're, they're well qualified. They're on serious money. Mm -hmm. They're there because they're supposed to know. Mm -hmm. Are you surprised at their ignorance? Yes, I'm surprised at their ignorance. I'm surprised at their at their denial. Uh, I can't tell you how many small businesses or even medium sized businesses. Uh, some of you would recognize. I've walked into, and they tell me, "Oh, we." We think we've got that all right. You know, we're kind of small, so we're not on people's radar screen. And, and we do have a, an IT consultant, and he takes care of that. I know we've got, uh, I know we've got some kind of antivirus stuff, and, and so we're good. And they think that's it. There is so much more to it. There's one, one million new malware created every single day, malware's malicious software. Do you think that one little free version of Symantec is going to keep you safe? Some people do. They give no more thought to it than that. I'm amazed at it. Well, I've got to ask you why you chose Tucson. Well, first off, I, I spoke at a data privacy conference here which uh, in 17, which reminded me how much my wife and I had enjoyed vacationing here over the years. But the people are so friendly and the weather is so great. Um, <laughs> I've got family close by. It just made sense. You're listening to Tucson Means Business emanating uh, out of Tucson, Arizona. And uh, it's a pleasure to have you on the Business Radio Network. We broadcast live out of the Stewart Title Building uh, here on Broadway. No, not that Broadway, <laughs> but we'll get there one day. Chuck Zopfel, Junior Achievement. What's where do you want to see it go? If you had a you know unlimited <clears throat> budget, and you could wave the magic wand. If we had the magic wand for that. Well, I mentioned earlier. <clears throat> We served 7,800 students last year in Tucson, which is an amazing number. What that means is we did not teach 90,000 students last year in Tucson alone. I want to be able to reach as many kids as possible. We're in kindergarten through high school. The more years I get with them, right. then the better off we all of our, we all are. The, the saying about incoming tides raises all boats is absolutely true. The more entrepreneurs we can inspire and get out there and do things, the more we can share and teach our kids. You know, it used to have the, uh, um, the mom and pop restaurant that the only people that would steal anything from me is a guy walking the door with a gun uh, or an employee. And now the guy in India or the guy down the street can equally steal from you. So we're preparing our young people to be exist well in a world. And I want to see our numbers of students that – from Tucson, Arizona, that are successful in the world, just absolutely exponentially multiply. You mentioned volunteers. They play a big part in your programs. Tremendous part. Tremendous Tell us part. a little more about that. Um, as I mentioned before, we have a huge staff of three. It, the volunteers, <laughs> yeah, the volunteers are a secret sauce. So right. a lot of people out there, they talk about financial literacy, and you can get all kinds of programs on the Internet or do an app and things like that. But it is just that. That's just a script. That's just a video. Our volunteers go into the classroom with our curriculum, but it's flexible enough that if you or I, Mark, went into the same classroom, the same program, teaching the same things, it would have a very different outcome because my students – are going to be in a little bit different place than your students. Mm -hmm. And they're going to ask different questions. And my life experience is going to be a little bit different than yours. All of which is 
great and good and positive. It's kind of like with SCORE. They have all these different uh, executives out there that have walked the walk, and so they can talk the talk. We have volunteers doing the exact same thing. Almost 30% of our students actually choose a career in the field of their volunteers because our volunteers are so passionate about succeeding in life that they want to have that touch that same passion as their volunteer mm. and look to that for the careers. They look up to them. Absolutely. They're the, sort of the, the night light shining yes. yeah. star yeah. type thing, right? Yeah. Our volunteers love going into the classroom. For one thing, we make it very safe for them because we gave them the career. But then they're not the talking head. They're not the teacher from Charlie Brown with the wah, 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 wah. They're not the parent. The uh, real quick short story, the last time I volunteered before I came on staff, I was at a uh, middle school here in Tucson that was closing the very next day. The last day of the entire existence of the school was the day before we came in. And the teacher let my volunteer and I know that out of 25 kids, we're averaging 12 students in attendance. We show up that day, 24 out of 25 kids are there because they knew how important we were to their life. Wow. That like slammed the door on any thought that junior achievement wasn't like essential to the success of Tucson. How does a community get involved with uh, a junior achievement, no matter where you're listening right now? And, and anywhere you're listening, you can just go to our website. It's jaaz.org, like okay. Junior Achievement Arizona, jaaz.org. And you can pull down the events. You can pull down the uh, uh, different pages there. You can volunteer in a classroom. We have a special event I mentioned earlier with the Catch a Cyber Criminal as one of the parts of the competition. We do all the training. It's really easy for that. Some people say, oh, I'm scared of kids. Well, we have some volunteers that come into the office knowing they can help us there so that other people can be in the classroom teaching our next generation of leaders. There's a lot of talk today about um, uh, tax credits. Yes. You know, um, now we know that not-for-profit organizations, I think there's over 3,500 in Tucson. There's over 3,500 in Tucson. Alone. They're all, Alone. They're all needing a piece of the pie. They are. They are. And yeah, they do great work in the community. They Let's do. They it. do. You there's all, every... Take out one or two bad apples. That means 3,498, yeah, you know what I mean, exactly are doing the right, right thing. But they're all battling. They're all, they're all battling. Uh, we don't have any earned income. So uh, Arizona Theater Company, I love them. Some of the revenue comes from ticket sales and come from some from donations. Mm -hmm. uh, we do not charge the students. We do not charge the schools for our programs. Three out of four of our students uh, qualify for the free reduced lunch program, which means they may have gone to school hungry this morning. Right. Tax credits is a tremendous way to support us. Uh, only a certain number of the 3,500 nonprofits in Tucson qualify with the state for that. What makes you qualify? Uh, we serve children and we serve low income children. And so with that, and we're so providing an immediate and basic need. Okay. So, so we're not teaching so that's some the theory criteria out there. So that's though. the criteria for that. And we've applied and we do that. And we prove to the state every year that we're still meeting that criteria. Uh, and tax credits are easily confused in lots of words. Basically, mm. you get to say, I'm doing my income taxes. And I get to choose where up to $400 of my taxes I'm going to pay the state of Arizona anyway to give it to junior achievement. And the state just takes it right off your tax bill. So you're really kind of, you're donating money, but you're not. You're just at, telling the state, you're redirecting it, send it to Junior Achievement, and I'm going to do that on my credit card right now, mm -hmm. file my taxes, and I'll get my refund even before the credit card bill comes in. Do you think it's a fair deal? I think it's a tremendously fair deal, and the state of Arizona agrees. Uh, they've had this program for 12 years now, and a couple of years ago, they doubled the amount people could donate. Mm -hmm. Over 90% of Arizonans that pay income tax do not donate 
to a tax credit worthy organization. So they know that uh, this is something that uh, is good for Arizona. It also helps keep the, the governor and the legislator out of the human services, the this area of the world. Let the, each community decide what's best for them, and then let the taxpayers in that community support the ones they think have the greatest impact. That makes Arizona like the best democracy in the entire country, not the entire world. Speaking of impact, these individual tax credit donations in your words, what, what effect on the JA students? Um, it costs us about $36 a year to serve a student with the volunteers because of all the background and the research and the improvements the curriculum we're doing every single year. So $400 uh, comes close to being able to put me into an entire new classroom of kids that one day may be the ones who are starting a new business that will not be going bankrupt or become really just they want to become happy and successful in their life. So $400, I mean, that's like a dozen kids right there. Boom, you did it. I know. Well, you know, I, I mean, the good work that it does, um, you'd like to see more of it, wouldn't you? I would love that. Uh, David, for you, I mean, uh, you've also put together business consulting teams to work with local businesses uh, that may request assistance. You see a lot of help us, help me out there in the community, don't Absol you? Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, uh, keying off of what... Uh, was just said, it's it's one of those kind of things where volunteers are the lifeblood of the kinds of businesses that we have that are nonprofits especially. And it's, it's something that, you know, it's wonderful experience to grow a successful company. And I've had the fortune to grow two of them. But to help somebody else grow one is just more of a rewarding experience in the long run. I think it's something it's, uh, I, I think of uh, uh, Tim McGraw, country singer, and he had a song that went something, I'm going to paraphrase it, but it was something like, when you get to where you're going and you found what you can find, turn back around and help the next one in line. And I think that says it all. Mm. I, I think a lot of people out there today have got a lot of experience and, and expertise that could be used in in organizations like Junior Achievement and organizations like SCORE, certainly uh, we welcome that. And if someone wants to volunteer, certainly uh, they can go to our website, www.scoresouthernaz.org, and uh, we would uh, welcome that opportunity to talk with them. Ron, you've done help for SCORE in the past. I have. And you'll be doing it in the future. What do you talk about to, to people? I mean, do you, do you go into stuff about hacking and cybercrime and that Russia and China are regularly in the news and, you know, uh, they're hostile countries to be concerned about? I mean, do you, do you cover that sort of stuff? I do sometimes. All depends on the audience. Um, the thing that you've got to keep in mind is this subject is so broad. Right. There is no audience that something doesn't apply to. Uh, I, I would encourage your listeners to... Uh, well, they're going into all sorts of businesses, aren't they? Yes. With SCORE. Yes. And even back as far as junior achievement, they've got to look at the future. That's right. Because they better be wise of it now yeah. because they're our next generations. Yes. And if they're not alerted, I mean, who is? Well, here's, here's the thing. Looking forward, you've got AI, you've got robotics, you've got all kinds of things. Think about robotics as they take away jobs that we have right now. What should people be doing? They should be educating themselves on how to work in robotics. All those robots are going to need people to program them, maintain them, uh, utilize them in somewhere. 
those are jobs that, that are going to go wanting because people don't have the education. They don't have the training. This is where store and junior score and junior achievement help point people in the right direction, get them going in the right way. You've mentioned crime families, much like the organized crime we've witnessed in the last century. Mm-hmm. What, what does it look like when you say crime families in the cyber world? It, in the cyber world, uh, one of the hotbeds of, uh, of cyber crime is in uh, Eastern Europe, the Ukraine. In fact, your, of your listeners, many of them have seen those little banners across the website that say, click here to remove the virus or, or call this number or um, give us your credit card. All those things are, are usually run out of a crime family in Eastern Europe. Every six months to a year, uh, the government over there shuts one down. They're very well-respected in, uh, business people, often in multi-story buildings. Uh, the people on the ground floor usually don't have anything bad to do. The guys at the top, they do the, they're the brains behind it, but they also bribe the uh, officials. They take care of the parks. They make sure the kids have clothes. They're very responsible businessmen in that part of the world, and there are other parts of the world do the exact same thing. They make, uh, I guess if you, if you watch the Godfather movies, there's a lot of similarities there. And so they serve a purpose. The trouble is all their guns are aimed at us, and they're mm-hmm. cyber guns. And so hacking us doesn't seem to be a problem. We're not going to extradite them. Um, we're just going to sit here and, and be uh, victims unless we learn how to do otherwise. So now that we know the, you know, the who that we're up against a little better, uh, who is it that they're after? Uh, thereafter, virtually everyone, whether you're an individual that's gotten, uh, I, I had a, a client who had uh, got ransomware on his computer at home. And he said, well, I don't care. I, all I had on there were pictures and I got those backed up. So he just threw his computer away. But not everyone's in that situation. They don't really care if you're an individual. Uh, they don't care if you're a, 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 an enterprise corporation. It's all about money. It's all about numbers. Right. And it's all about learning. So what type of business or individuals do need to be concerned then? Again, every, every one of them. Everybody, if you're a business, you've got customers. And if you've got customers, you got information and you got checking. you got a checking account. you got money or you're not in business. So those two things are valuable to a, a cyber criminal. They can take that information and even if they can't use it, they can sell it to some criminal who can. Uh, if if, if they're, they know how to get into your bank account because they've got your email and they see that you've got an email from uh, uh, First National Bank or whatever the case might be, all of a sudden they know where you bank. All it is is a matter now of guessing your password. Uh, most popular password in America is password one, two, three. Uh, after that, it's let me in and QWERTY and all that stuff. Uh, once they've got that, they know you probably use it on other accounts too, so they may have your your uh, Facebook account, they may have other things. Now they've got all this information. Once again, if they don't use it, there's a market for it on the dark web. So what is ransomware? Ransomware is they take, it started off differently, but right now it's where they take your hard drive, um, they encrypt it so you can't access anything on it, and they won't give you the key to decrypt it unless you pay them in Bitcoin. A very popular, in fact, I've had several uh, folks call me about it, is it's called sextortion. Maybe you've never even looked at a, at a, at a website that has I- even underwear on it. But you get an email that says, uh, I've got video of you on, a, on a, a porno website. Here's my Bitcoin wallet. Send me Bitcoin, and, and they name the dollar amount, or I will expose you to the world. It's called sextortion. It's very popular right now. Mm. 
And so uh, it doesn't matter whether you've ever been there or not. There's so many places to get passwords on the dark web and even on the World Wide Web that you've actually used. They may put one of those in there. So now they scare you to death. But I don't understand. Surely doesn't our government have people that can trap them or catch them or stop them? They do. But they're on in every country. They're in every city. They're in every village on the planet. And they're all networked just like we're networked. They're on Facebook. Many of them have hundreds of Facebook accounts where they stalk us. Uh, they investi- investigate us and they get information on us. But, but they're, they're everywhere. It's not just the kid down the street or the guy that's 40 years old living in his mom's basement. It's, it's guys in suits. It's, it's people that it's big business to them. And it's easy to do. And it's hard to be caught. If you're using uh, a public uh, Wi-Fi, uh, popular coffee shop or uh, McDonald's or restaurants, different things like that that give you public Wi-Fi, uh, it's easy to all of a sudden, it's hard to track you. If you're using Bitcoin, they can't track you that way. Uh, gorilla emails, spelled like gorilla fighters, are available for free on the World Wide Web. So you use that, there isn't any way to track you. And if you're using Bitcoin for them to pay you, you're home free. You can be making millions just off of one It'll cost you less than $10 to buy uh, 100,000 email accounts. And if you're sharp, you would have gotten the free ones that were on the World Wide Web for a good chunk of January. There was two, two uh, billion of them. Good Lord. Where do you know all this stuff from? <laughs> I read all the time, and I, I'm always in school. <laughs> so, so, so what do they call social engineering then in your world? Social engineering. Uh, you mentioned it before. You, you drop uh, it, the bank examiners have used this for years. It used to be floppy disk, and then it was uh, uh, CDs, and now it's thumb drives. They drop something in the parking lot. Somebody picks it up. Now, uh, even if they're just altruistic and want to give it back, uh, they, they go into the office and they stick it in the computer or individual sticks it in their computer at home. Well, now that hacker had, he may have had pictures, he may have had documents on it. A very popular one, guy walks into an office and he says, I, I, I'm, I'm about to lose my house and I really need this job. I, I, and he'll have a manila folder and it'll be all wet, resumes in it. He'll say, I, I was on my way to my job interview, a little girl ran out in front of me and I, she's okay. But I spilled coffee all over my resumes. Would you just print off one, please? Well, I mean, who's not going to want to help this guy? Okay, right. But when she takes that USB, that flash drive, and sticks it in her computer to print off a resume, she'll print off his resume, but she'll also install a, a, a virus on her computer that now takes over the network. And it's not, it's not ideal that you know that. Wow. Hacker doesn't want you to know that. He wants to stay there. And when he's done, he sells the access, the back door, to another hacker. The average, the average breach has six to seven hackers in it over six to eight months. I almost want to throw my phone away. <laughs> Chuck the computer out the window. And I don't, even know, I don't even know if it's safe to watch TV anymore, is it? It all depends if you've got a smart, smart TV or not. <laughs> I don't tell me they're into that too. Of course. Of really? Course, yeah. So they're looking at you. Oh, no, stone the grows. I tell you what, Chuck. Mm-hmm. Scary, is it's scary, but it's also exciting because there's lots of opportunity for us. Oh, well, you're going to be a hacker now, are you? <laughs> <laughs> well, Ron mentioned earlier, and estimated in 2020, that's next year, two million unfilled cybersecurity jobs. So there's opportunity. We okay. may, yeah, we may have jobs that are going away because of robotics, mm-hmm. but we have then a lot of jobs coming because of robotics. Exactly, it's, it's preparing yourself for a world that does not exist yet. 
you know, cybersecurity kind of didn't exist 20 years ago. Right. 10 years ago was in its infancy. Um, but it's it's the world is constantly changing. And for those who want to be business owners or thinking about it, scores the people that are out there, they've been there. The basics of business do not change. Maybe the industry, maybe part of the security, maybe mm -hmm. the way you handle your accounting changes, but the basics of business do not change. What about score from a point of view of um, people to teach? How do you attract uh, these experience businessmen and women, I gather? It's not all men, surely. Well, actually, yes, there's a lot. But uh, we're becoming a lot more diverse. We're becoming a lot younger. Because in, in reality, SCORE today in many ways needs to mirror the clients that they're serving because of all of the kinds of changes that are occurring and whether it's in your marketing approach or whether it's in technology that you're using or what it might be, it's important that we have people that are more up to date with some of these things. And, you know, like I mentioned earlier, you know, you don't start a business like I did 30 years ago necessarily. So it's something that we need to find folks out there that are, and I'm sure many of your listeners that are here in the Tucson or Southern Arizona area, we're really responsible for all of Southern Arizona from the New Mexico border to the California border and from Casa Grande south to the Mexican border. Mm -hmm. That's so quite a big area. Pretty big area. Mm. And uh, But we are looking for people that are willing to give back that have got some experience working with business, either they've owned their own business or they've been involved. We've got people that work for DuPont. We've got people that work for Intel. We've got people that uh, one of our uh, volunteers uh, ran the company that made the Girl Scout cookies. Uh, we've got people that are government contracting specialists. We've got people that are nonprofit specialists. Mm -hmm. So we're looking for people in a, in a multitude of different areas. And if you're wanting to give back, We'll certainly find a way to be able to use your experience and expertise to do that. And how would they contact you then? Uh, again, going to the website, uh, they can either go to our website, www.scoresouthernaz.org, or they can go to the national website, www.score.org. And uh, either one of those would have a link on there where they can go in and fill out an application, and someone from our organization would get in contact with them. We'd set up an interview, find out where they feel like they could offer their value to our organization. That sounds pretty good. Yeah, uh, Ron, we're getting close to the end of the show, but do you travel a lot with this? I do. I've got clients in all four time zones. All four time zones? Yeah. Okay, well, do you enjoy that? <laughs> Not as much as I used to. You, when you're younger, it's different. Isn't <laughs> yes, it, it is. <laughs> it's a uh, do we ever have to worry about seriously um, flying anywhere because they can bring the plane down? Uh, I think I think we do. I think we've got to worry about the the planes being taken over as well as drones running into them. Um, there's so much that can go wrong. We're very fortunate. Nothing that tragic has happened yet. But honestly, it just takes one. It's it's like the war on terror. Uh, they only have to be right once. We have to be right every single time. Well, do you think it's a winnable war? I do, but I think everyone, we need to start educating people in mass. Most Americans have no idea they're losing a war. They don't even know it exists. Well, this is not good. What can they do? Go to their uh, politician? 
You can go to, definitely you need to talk to your politicians about passing legislation. There's some excellent books, and I always recommend them. If I can recommend a few right now, it would be, uh, one is from 2014. It was a New York Times bestseller by Mark Goodman. Uh, it's called Future Crimes. Uh, uh, Kevin Metnick has written several books that tell you how easy it is to hack some of this stuff in the mind of the hacker. Uh, Bruce Schneider. Uh, has a website. Uh, he's written some excellent books on how government can get involved and work, cooperate with business, how we can work together to, to stop basically the Titanic. Let's turn it around. Because mm, one of them really does worry me is this, we're now on the verge of driverless cars. Yes. Mm. And, and they've already taken over. They've already hacked into several. Jeep was the first one. There's been several of them since then. The, the problem is with manufacture, you're at a rush to get to market because you want to make back the money for all that R&D you did, but you don't build security in. Well, that's ridiculous. Yeah. How are they ever going to be able to tell in a bad accident then? Exactly. And it'll be the companies, though, that get sued, but I, surely to God they're looking at ways of stopping this. You well, there's, know. there's always people talking, but it, there's not enough people talking to get action done. So definitely contact your congressman. And talk to them about it. And read those books. Get get up to speed yourself so mm. you can talk intelligently to them. Interesting. I think those books are well worth reading. 2019, we're well and truly on the way. What do you think the rest of it's going to look like then? I can tell you so far the activity is off the charts. I've had more issues uh, in the first month and a half. I've read about more that from an international uh, uh, basis have been just it makes 2018 look like we were setting still. Uh, even my clients are getting uh, different emails and things, and of course I can protect them. But you've always got to be a step ahead. And unfortunately, the bad guys are usually a step ahead of us. Any last thoughts, Ron Bush? Education is the key. Uh, contact me if you have questions. My website's ronbushconsulting.com. All right. Um, but certainly get educated, read books. Uh, there's uh, YouTube videos. There's all kinds of ways to get educated. And uh, what about uh, you, David? What Any last thoughts from you to do with SCORE? Well, just the fact that it's a wonderful uh, organization, a wonderful experience. We're an affiliate of the Small Business Administration, so we're a national organization. We've been around over 55 years. Um, we've done some wonderful things. For example, in uh, uh, 2017, we had a national success story uh, with a lady that started a 501c3 nonprofit called the Dipsy Foundation. Uh, that was a national success story that helped create a national clearinghouse for breast cancer survivors that were going through reconstructive surgery. She'd gone through it herself, saw that there were a lot of resources, but those resources weren't easily accessible. Uh, this year, we had another national success story. It was a veterans-owned business national success story. And uh, this particular one was selected because uh, the person was a combat engineer and uh, in Afghanistan and Iraq and unfortunately saw many people die because they couldn't get blood transfusions in the combat zone. So uh, one of the things that he did was go back and created a, uh, a refrigerated unit that can be powered by either solar or a battery that will last for 30 days, and uh, it will allow them to do transfusions in the combat zone because so many people were dying on the way back to the field hospitals in mm -hmm. uh, helicopters. And uh, 
quite honestly, uh, he may be in a position where, based on all the contracts that look like they're going to come his way from the government and the Department of Defense, he may add another couple of hundred jobs in Tucson within the next uh, probably five years. That's great. Yeah. That's good news to hear. Well, what about you, Chuck? A lot of people are looking at this next generation as the next generation of lazy, no good. They're not going to amount to anything, just like, you know, <laughs> our parents thought that. You volunteer in a classroom. You come to one of our events where you get to meet the students. And just like our generations, there's a certain segment to them. But I am really excited about our young people today. They have a passion. They have a drive that was not matched in my uh, high school, and I was at a high-end high school in California. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have the 18 Under 18 Awards coming up soon for the whole all of the state of Arizona for the semifinalists from Tucson, and I'm interviewing them uh, later this week. Uh, what they have done to date, and they're not even 18 yet, I would have been thrilled if I had done that much of my life before I was 40. There is a segment of our young people out there that are going to change the world, period, bar none. It's going to happen. And I love being in a position to be able to support them, inspire them, and let them know that the world is uh, their playground to be successful. One last question for each of you before we wrap this up. Very interesting show, and I do thank you for your time today. Ron, I'll start with you. If you had it all over again, uh, let me ask you... Has there ever been one decision that you're sorry you didn't make through your business career? Gosh, what a great question. I wish I had more time to think of an answer. wish I had a better answer, I'll put it that way. I, I think that, uh, I think, honestly, I- as far as business goes, I've been very fortunate. Even when I didn't make great decisions, I've been very fortunate and the right people have come my way. I- I've been very blessed in life and I, I can't think. I'm, I know I've made bad decisions, uh, but I've always just been blessed over them in spite of them. You're fortunate? Yes. David, is there anything for you that has stood out? Well, I think that uh, I'm much like Ron in that respect. I, I feel like that over the years, uh, I know I made some decisions that if I had the opportunity to go back and change, I would have done. But fortunately, I built a team around me that was able to help be the safety net on some of those kinds of decisions because I ask for their input before I made them most of the time. And I found that, you know, by hiring people that are a lot smarter than you are and giving them the opportunity to let you know what they know, uh, it's something that uh, helps you prevent making a lot of those kinds of decisions. Nicely put. Nicely got around too. (laughs) Chuck, last but not least. And for you, for me, I would mirror a little bit what David was talking about, hiring better, smarter people. And then more often that I would get out of their way, the more successful I was. Of all the, if you're not failing, you're not learning, you're not potentially succeeding. So I may change some things, but then I think back, if I had changed and not made that mistake, would I have just made it again later? So as long as I always was learning, then there wouldn't be anything that I would change. Thank you. Appreciate it very much. Chuck Zapfel is the District Director for Junior Achievement of Arizona's Southern District, serving thousands of Tucson's young students. David Terrell was our other guest today in the middle of the co-chair of SCORE, Southern Arizona, and Ron Bush from Ron Bush Consulting, who scared the living bands of all of us with (laughs) where we're going in the future. Thank you, gentlemen. It was a pleasure to have you. Thank you you for having us. You got it. And uh, it's another Tucson Means Business on the Business Radio Network. We'll be back soon. And thank you for listening. 